Welcome to the Perioperative Nutrition Podcast, sharing knowledge with clinicians to ensure all patients are ready for surgery. This six-episode series is sponsored by Abbott Nutrition, and here's your host, Dr. Paul Wishmeyer of the Duke Clinical Research Institute. My name is Paul Wishmeyer, and I am a professor of anesthesiology and surgery here at Duke University, and uh, I'm excited to be joined today by Catherine Starr, Katie Starr, uh, who is a PhD dietitian here at Duke. And we're going to be talking to you about the essential role of the dietitian in improving outcomes from surgery utilizing nutrition. So welcome, Katie. Maybe introduce yourself the way you would introduce yourself. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, So yes, my name is Katie Starr, and I am currently working as a um, kind of a perioperative dietitian, um, and I work both on the Duke side and also at the VA. Um, and my background has mostly focused in uh, geriatrics and older adults, um, but I do think the beauty of nutrition is that it encompasses all ages. So it's uh, I, I feel like um, perioperative nutrition is going to cover pretty much all, all ages. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I had the pleasure of meeting you as, as you told me about a project you were doing looking at how we can improve perioperative outcomes with nutrition intervention before surgery. Tell me about that. Absolutely. So um, just to kind of take a step back. So what I was previously doing before coming into this realm um, was I was looking at protein supplementation in older adults and how we could get them to uh, lose weight but help maintain their lean mass. And so what we found was that utilizing protein, high-quality protein, which is any protein that comes from an animal source, if we can do that consistently throughout the day, we actually can improve function and help maintain lean mass as we lose weight in these older adults. And so from there, what I did was I started thinking about our older surgical patient and how there really isn't a lot of clear guidelines on how we need to be be kind of treating our our surgical patients before surgery and after surgery regarding nutrition. And so my my current study and what I'm looking at is doing protein supplementation, 30 grams, um, three times a day, two weeks before surgery, and then four weeks after surgery, and looking at functional outcomes afterwards. Um, And the key behind that 30 grams is just that for older adults, they have a lower basal rate of muscle synthesis. Anabolic resistance. Anabolic resistance, absolutely. Great way to put it. And so what what they require, about 30 grams of high-quality protein to actually stimulate that muscle protein synthesis, or what I like to tell them is to make muscle. And so that's the goal behind the kind of 30 grams three times a day. And and particularly, I'm looking in those who are malnourished, but also those who are at nutritional risk. Um, So it's not just those who are malnourished that I'm going to be implementing this on. And is it one kind of surgery? Is it broad surgery subtypes? Tell me about that. Yeah, um, so it's going to be all abdominal surgeries. Um, Anything that is an abdominal surgery, and obviously elective, because we don't have that luxury for the emergent surgeries, and so that's uh, what we're going to be looking at for right now. That's great, and I think it really brings to light. I mean, we know that malnutrition is a big problem in surgery. We know that we have data for when we address malnutrition in patients, we can change some of the infection and perhaps mortality outcomes even possibly, but definitely infection and other other clinical outcomes. But the idea of changing people's quality of life and function, I think, really is the holy grail of what we see the essential role of nutrition being, because we know that patients, 40% of surgical patients will have significant physical limitations after surgery. And I think this is really an exciting concept. And, and how are you measuring that? How are you, how are we, how are you looking at that question? 
Absolutely. Um, I do. I find that this is really so important. Um, we, when we think about our older adults, you know, many of them, their number one goal is to remain, you know, independent and being able to function. And so um, what we are what I'm specifically looking at is I'm using the short physical performance battery, the SPPB. This was developed in 1984 uh, by Dr. Grolnick, and it is a wonderful measure of lower lower leg extremity strength, ultimately. And so it's a combination of gait speed, chair stands, and balancing. So it kind of gives us this nice composite of understanding of this individual's ability to be able to function ultimately. And so what we're doing is we're going to do that before surgery, uh, day of surgery, and then we'll look at that, at that again uh, six, four weeks after surgery. That's great. That's yeah. great. I, I think you know, it's it's really something we as caregivers have to focus on. You know, we can do these big operations and we can do these fancy care paradigms for our patients with all the technology we have. But the question I always ask my residents is, are we creating survivors with this or are we creating victims? And And I think what really is great about the work you're doing is it really focuses on the fundamental question of how do we give people their lives back? And I think that's really exciting. And you're right. I think the fact that older adults do need more protein is, is really essential and, and I think not a concept a lot of people grasp. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that, you know, all ages, you know, we do know, and as you said, there's a decline in function after surgery. We have that surgery, st- surgical stressor, and we see, you know, the breakdown approaching. We see the catabolic results. And so I think for all of us, we need to think about function at any age, um, but particularly for our older adults, just because we know as they get older, they're losing that lean muscle mass anyway. And then to top it all off, we're going to add this surgical stress that's going to also kind of stimulate even more um, catabolic effects that are going to result in ultimately loss of lean mass. And so anything we can do to try to help preserve that, and I think it's important to not only preserve it at the back end of surgery, but also on the front end and try to get them, you know, metabolically prepared for surgery um, before we bring them into this. And, and sometimes, you know, um, this is this is kind of novel, um, having the RD sit at the table and discuss this. Um, but what I've found is, um, you know, it, once you can kind of explain to the team the importance of this, you know, I, I think people start to really understand, wow, we really can do things before surgery. And maybe we do even need to delay surgery a couple of weeks so that we can optimize this individual so that these outcomes are going to be better. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that the essential role of the dietitian really needs to be essential, <laughs> I think, is the best way to put it. You know, we know that less than one in four U.S. medical schools teach any clinical nutrition to physicians. And so this is not something any of us are trained to do. And so how do you see moving forward as we really try to focus on preoperative preparation and postoperative recovery of the patient, the role of the dietitian being key to our success in this area? So I think it's a very exciting time for for dietitians right now, um, because I think that we're starting to really turn a page um, with understanding the the definite need of nutrition as an important component of successful surgery. And so where I hope to see is, you know, that the the RD is consulted, you know, at pre-op. There's a nutrition assessment that's done. We determine if they're at nutritional risk. And then we start to, you know, do an intervention. We start to intervene so that we can really help optimize this person, again, any age. Um, I think that that's so important and some of the things that we, we forget, you know, because most of the time in most hospital settings, an individual is not going to be assessed for nutritional status until they're admitted. And that's too late. Yep. It's just too late. Yep. And yep. so I think the more we can show 
that there is a serious need for these dietitians and how, how we can also really help the outcomes and really help these individuals improve faster, reduce length of stay, reduce readmission rates, um, I think that there is going to be a greater desire to have that RD called to the table and, and be a part of that preoperative um, assessment. And, and I think one of the challenges that I, I've heard people say they face is, is getting an RD on the team. How, how, how do you get the RD to the table? How do you, you, you get them involved? And, and maybe talk about how you see that happening and, and, and how you think you know, you can best get an RD involved and in, in maybe your experience in doing that. So um, I am a little rare um, because I am a researcher. Um, sure. And yeah. so uh, my opportunity came with, uh, we have a perioperative optimization of senior health clinic that really focuses, focuses on optimizing our older adults. And so I got pulled into this because of the fact that we were really trying to create this multi, multidisciplinary team to really look at every single component from you know, nutrition, PT, occupational health, psychology, um, obviously anesthesia, surgery, and the ger- geriatrician. And so um, that was kind of how I really got, you know, uh, I guess, brought into this amazing, amazing multidisciplinary team. And I realized that that is not um, how it's going to work for every group. Um, so what I would like to see and what I hope to see is that I hope to see kind of two things. I hope to see that RDs actually really do kind of step up and and start to take a little bit more initiation of wanting to be a part of the surgical team. Um, as an RD, it's not always easy to talk to surgeons, and we know this. <laughs> yep. um, but I think that there is a, definitely a place that... Um, is there's there's a, there's time. There, this is the time to be able to do it, um, and so that is one of the one things I think for the for the RD we have to start to really kind of take on this role that we can do this. We can help improve perioperative nutrition and perioperative outcomes, and we can help improve the patient and the whole experience. And so that's kind of number one. And number two, I think, really kind of getting the medical field and. Um, surgeons, anesthesiologists to understand that the nutrition is the expert and that it is so important for these individuals to be a part of this. And I do think there's still a lot of issues with, um, you know, how are they going to bill? There's always that issue. And so I think that that's something that we really need to get, you know, um, everybody on board, including our, our people who are bill- doing the billing. We need to get everybody on board to really have a conversation about how this can really improve outcomes. And I'm really hoping that with my study and the other studies that are going on, we can truly show this, that we can truly show we can reduce length of stay, we can improve function, and really try to help the RD ultimately be able to join the team. And so that's what I'm I'm really hoping for. So I think these optimization clinics, like the one you're participating in and the, and the one that we're working on in, in our poet clinics that we've talked about, maybe are, are, are ways in too for dietitians to play integral yes. roles because they have to play integral roles because you're the ones with the training. And I think we as physicians need to embrace that role and whether it's us paying for you to be there, the hospital paying for you to be there and us lobbying for you to be able to bill to be there yes. because yes. you play an essential role with training that none of us have. And I, I think, you know, it seems as though your experience has, has, has been a good one, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a unique one, and, and I think, um, you know, if you had words beyond what you've said to dietitians about how to get involved, I think, you know, your words would carry, carry a lot of weight. So I, I don't know if there's other things you would say to dietitians to say, 
this is this is your chance to get involved but but i think that's what we want yeah no absolutely and i love how you said this is the marathon um you know that's exactly what i tell my patients you know it's a short duration and i think for many people, you know, changing a big change, a big lifestyle change, it's just sometimes too hard to grasp. But when you can condense that down to a small portion of time and tell them, you know, this is the time we're focusing on. We want to get you into the best possible condition you can be in. You know, I'm like, it's your Olympic event. We're training for it. And and then I'm like, and we're going to keep training afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a wonderful way, I think, as me as an RD, is I feel like I'm actually making a difference and I think that that's really important because I think sometimes um, clinical dietitians we don't get to see the patient over time either and we don't always know if our words are resonating and I really do feel like these individuals are coming in for surgery and they want this surgery or they have to have this surgery and so they are much more willing to make these changes and they really do hang on every single word that we say and they you know I think for me, what I really try to do is, you know, put it in the simplest of terms that we have to have this energy to be able to heal. We have to have this energy to be able to combat this stressor. Surgery is a stress. And for that, I feel like it really does kind of sink into them and say, okay, I can do this. I can, I can do this for this amount of time and I can do this for this amount of time after surgery. And I just feel like I leave my clinic daily going, I feel like I've made a difference. And, and for me, I think that that's a big deal. And I think that is a big deal for most, most dietitians. Um, and I would say that um, I honestly never imagined myself in this realm. Um, but I love this realm. I love the surgical world. I think that this is such a great place for dietitians. And, um, you know, research has been done in the past with nutrition, and it just kind of stopped. And I feel like now it's just it's pouring in. Um, and I think now is just one of the best opportunities. Now is the time for us to get involved and to really promote ourselves and really kind of team up with someone who, you know, is in surgery or is, you know, in anesthesia and say, you know, is there any way that I could help kind of develop Mm -hmm. some of these preoperative, some preoperative care guides? Um, you know, and I think for us in, the academy and Aspen, um, we really need to start really promoting clear guidelines for nutrition and surgery. And I think with ERAS, we're doing that, but even just a little bit more specific guidelines on how we can truly, you know, promote the best nutritional outcomes. Um, I think there is still a little bit of uh, uh, not not as much clarity as I would like, I think, and maybe for some of the other dietitians who can't really see, okay, what exactly am I supposed to do? And so part of what I'm doing is I'm hoping that I can try to help you know, develop or help develop these clinical guidelines so that we really do know, you know, some some clear and specific things we can say to our patients to help them have the best outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's definitely, um, you know, something as as an RD to another RD, I would definitely recommend is is mm-hmm. trying to find someone that you can ask or talk to about the surgery mm-hmm. component and see where you can fit in. Um, it may that's take great. a little bit more of stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, but I promise you, I feel like surgeons, I feel like anesthesiologists are really on board for this. And I think that they're wanting to figure this out too. I agree. I think we're in a unique time in the world of, of this care where people are receptive. <laughs> people are realizing in value-based care that we can't just think people can walk into the operating room and 
we just hope for the best when when we know there's things we can do ahead of time like you've described we can optimize the protein intake we can optimize nutritional status maybe we can do exercise things eventually and combine that with our nutrition i think all of us dream of that day as well where we you know i've talked about some of these opportunities Mm -hmm. um and and i think you're right we we continue to need better guidelines and i think We've tried to begin to uh, attack that problem with the POKI guidelines, mm-hmm. the Perioperative Quality Institute guidelines yes. from the American Society for Enhanced Recovery that have been published actually this month in print in June 2018. They'll be published uh, and are online available already in Anesthesia and Anesthesia. Anesthesia and Analgesia, the journal. But but uh, you and I are both working on a Aspen guideline right Absolutely. now where we're looking at the best practices for nutrition in, in ERAS care mm-hmm. as well. And so I think hopefully, like you said, we'll have better and more guidelines for dietitians and for clinicians in general to know what best practice is and where the gaps in research are that you're trying to fill. And I think all of us, all of us are trying to fill (laughs) and and maybe also then promote, like you said, we have a lot of data for some of these things already that we don't do. Mm -hmm. And and maybe we can push that forward as well. I will say too, that I, um, when I came into kind of our, our clinic and, you know, sitting around a table of surgeons, anesthesiologists, uh, geriatricians, you know, it is a little bit intimidating at first. Um, and so one of the things that I really did was I made sure that I really did try to know as much as of, you know, as much information as I could in regards to what can we do before surgery utilizing nutrition. And so that is one of the other things that I would recommend for RDs is that really do some of your homework. Um, so that when you do sit around a table and a surgeon asks you, well, why do you think, how are we going to actually impact their nutritional status, you know, in, the, in pre-op? You right. can actually answer them by saying that there has been evidence that show that we can utilize oral nutritional supplementation and have improvements in nutritional status within 7 to, to 14 days. And, you know, having just a little bit of data points like that can really go a long way. Um, a lot of our, you know, uh, other providers they're not experts in nutrition. And so really being able to kind of even just help guide them um, can really be beneficial. And and they'll start turning to you and asking you questions. And it, it, you become a very integral part of the team and very important part of the team. So that's something else that I've learned. You know, I try to come in there with, you know, all my ammo that mm-hmm. I can and all of, you mm-hmm. know, I try to make sure I'm really prepared um, so that I can make sure that I can help change their point of views too sometimes when they really think that there's nothing that nutrition can do to help improve outcomes when we only have two weeks before surgery because there is something we can do and um and that really has changed um my my experience in our clinic too that's great i think yeah there's a really bright future with the data we have and the data we will have to arm dietitians uh and this uh, really like you said a very bright future for the role of the dietitian being essential that no patient perhaps should ever have surgery without having nutritional evaluation Mm -hmm. at least elective surgery and and if they have nutrition risk there's no patient that has surgery without seeing a dietitian and without having their nutrition optimized and so i think you really are the example, perhaps, <laughs> the, 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 the example other dietitians can look to, and, and I would encourage all of them to, to reach out to you. Yes. Uh, if, 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 if you Please. as well. Yes. To, to, to be an example of how this can be done. Mm-hmm. And so I think in closing, it is an exciting time, I would say, and, I, and I, <laughs> it sounds like you agree, to, to be a dietitian in this field, like you said, in surgery. And and uh, any final thoughts for the people out there that, that you'd want to leave them with? Um, you know, I just 
that, you know, I think um, sometimes we really do have to just understand that we are very, very important people that can really help improve, um, you know, a lot of a lot of our our help improve the health of our patients. And so I think just remembering that and just remembering that, you know, being a part of a team is, is amazing. It's an amazing opportunity. And to really try to figure out how you can get involved as an RD, I think is just the best way um, to really help promote this this area. Yeah. Amen. I agree. I think <laughs> dietitians out there should know you are essential pieces and parts of, of the care of a patient having surgery and the care of the patient after surgery. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, we hope you all play a bigger and bigger role for yes. all of us. Yes. So, thank you. Thank you, Katie. That was great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the DCRI's Perioperative Nutrition Podcast, sponsored by Abbott Nutrition. More episodes are available on SoundCloud and DCRI.org.